So last night, um, after trying to get over this cough and sickness and head cold, um, I was in prayer and in the Word and just reading and waiting for that kind of ding moment for the Holy Spirit to kind of let you know, this is what I want you to speak on. This is what I want to teach you about. And he didn't. Uh, I was a little frustrated, maybe because it was tired, maybe because I had been sick the past couple days. Um, but then this morning, I woke up with a clear mind, but I was still very tired. And so I just laid in bed and prayed. And the Lord said, it's not that you're missing me. He said, I need you to come deeper. And it's almost like, you know, you're, it's like you've, you've come up to God to this place and he's, and he's with you and you're being obedient and you're just with him for a time. And he's like, it's time to go deeper. And as he said that, he popped up the scripture in my head. And it's in uh, 2 Corinthians 3, uh, starting at eight, uh, verse 18 in chapter 3. We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of God, uh, glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. And as I found it in here, after the Lord showed me glory to glory, he started to talk to me. And what he showed me was, I go from glory to glory because I am infinite. And that reminds me of the scripture, or the angels who revolve around the throne of God saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. And every time they have a revolution, they get a new revelation because he's an infinite God. And we only know this much of him. But that's not where God wants to limit us. He wants to bring us deeper. And there's been so many people, including myself, where it feels like we're doing the same thing in our life, in our walk with Christ every day. It feels like we're in the same place we've been for a year, five years, ten years, even just a month. But God's saying here, he's saying, I go from glory to glory, but you're coming with me. And I need you with me. And so as the Lord's didn't give me a word like he usually does. He gave it to me in a new way today. And I usually like to prepare and have stuff in order beforehand, uh, before I come up here and speak. And I, I like to, you know, make sure things are in order. God's a God of order, not chaos. But I didn't feel chaotic this morning. I had faith that um, he was going to give it, give the word because he always does. And as I pull up the scripture, the Lord starts to show me the whole chapter. And so I'm going to start, uh, if you got your Bibles, if you want to open up 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to start there and continue. Uh, so if you got it, you can pop your hands up. And if you don't, we got Bibles over here. If you don't have that, just say, okay, we'll start reading. Okay, we'll start reading then. And this is Paul talking to the church of Corinth. He said, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter." written on your hearts, recognized and read by everyone. It is clear that you are Christ's letter, produced by us, not written with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on stone tablets, but on the tablets that are our hearts of flesh. What he's saying right there, literally, is we are living apostles, or epistles, sorry. Living epistles written by the Holy Spirit for and in Christ. And so later on in this same chapter, in verse 18, he says we are supposed to go with the Lord, who is the Spirit, from glory to glory. So why are we stuck? Why are we stuck? Why are we in the same place that we have been? Why are we doing the same thing, watching the same videos, reading at the same time, reading the same things, praying the same prayers, and nothing is really changing? There's not a single person who gets saved that is called to just sit down and do the same thing 
over and over. Because we are supposed to read our word. We're supposed to be in prayer. We're supposed to listen to preaching and teaching. We're supposed to have corporate worship. We're supposed to do all these things, all these things according to the word. But what is going on if nothing in your life is changing? Why aren't you closer to God? Why can't you hear him deeper? Why can't you know him more? What's in the way? <coughs> this says that we are crushed letter produced by us, not written with ink, but with spirit of the living God. Not on stone tablets, but on the tablets that are our hearts of flesh. So if we're doing something over and over and over in the same way, and we're like, oh, well, that's just us being obedient. Yeah. If you're being obedient, why aren't you going from glory to glory like the word says? This says opposite. If you call it obedient, where, is the, where in the word does it say being a Christian just means reading your Bible, going to church, and listening to a preacher teach or preach? Where's that in the Bible? That's one small part of being part of the body that's not being a Christian. Being a Christian is a personal relationship with God, so you have to be able to move in that. So I'm going to keep reading. We have this kind of confidence towards God through Christ. It is not that we are competent in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our competence is from God. Let that sink in. He has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit produces life. Now, if the ministry of death, chiseled in the letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites were not able to look directly at Moses' face because of the glory from his face, a fading glory, how would the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of the righteousness overflows with even more glory. In fact, what had been glorious is not glorious now by comparison because of the glory that surpasses it. For if, if what was fading away was glorious, what endures will be even more glorious. What is he saying? What he's talking about right here is he's talking about when Moses went up, got the law, and came down. But being so close to God in his glory, his face glowed. And they had to veil it. People couldn't look at it directly. And it was fading. He said, and that is, uh, that's the glory of God under one obedient man. Before the veil was torn, before Jesus came and finished that, he said, so how much more? Because it was fading even on Moses. It was fading. What is he really saying here? Let's go back a second. He has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit produces life. What is he saying really to the entire church of Corinth right here? None of you are called to sit in a pew and do nothing but listen, go to church and read your Bible and pray every now and then for the rest of your lives. He's saying it right here. For our momentary light affliction. Oh, that's too far. Let me go back. Sorry right here. He has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant. Who has made you competent? The Holy Spirit. So here's the thing. Are you saved and full of the Holy Spirit or are you not? Are you full of the Holy Spirit and have nothing to do with him? Jesus said... Flat out, it's better that I go for the one coming after me. The word even says that the Holy Spirit comes as a down payment of our promises and our inheritance in Christ. So if you're full of the Holy Spirit, it says here that he has made us competent to be ministers, not of our own will. We've seen the fruit of what happens when man or woman has ministry in their own will, not of the Holy Spirit. Notice they don't seem very competent. And it's a lot of the people who aren't competent who believe it. But there's no godly fruit anywhere. 
There is no godly fruit in these people at all. They speak about it. They can read you scripture all day long, but they have been what? Hearers of the word and not doers. But what's faith? What does the Bible say faith is? It's the belief in the things not seen. And faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing of the word. So that's the first part. That's the faith. It comes from hearing. But faith in action is what? Do. See, I've heard a whole bunch. Oh, you don't earn your way to heaven. Well, that's true. You don't. Christ earned that for you. But the word does say faith without works is dead. Why? Here's a perfect example. Let's say I want to be a good father. I want to be a good parent. And my child is hungry. And it is my good will and pleasure to take care of and feed my child. I'm going to go sit at my computer desk and play video games. I can believe and I can say I want to be a good father, but I have just made a choice to not be. I can believe in this word. I can believe in my prayers. I can believe in the sermons that I'm hearing from preachers. I can believe in the teachings that I'm hearing from preachers and, uh, and teachers and evangelists or anyone. I can believe in them all. But if you're not doing anything, you are spiritually dead. You are stuck because the word says so. Faith without works is dead. Dead faith, you can't please God according to Hebrews. It says the only thing that pleases God is faith. So if you have true faith in the word of God and true faith in what he's saying, would you not be doing something about it? Or are you just waiting? God has us in times of waiting. There are times where he sets us aside for a quiet time. There are times where God picks us up and says, I need to set you aside. But we are running after God. How? From glory to glory in Christ, according to this. But see, as we're going from this glory to glory, he prepares us. But one thing you don't have to be is called out, hands laid on, super anointed, 35 mantles from 35 different people to do what Jesus said, go out into every creature and preach the gospel. We should all be doing that. But there's been some people, and the Lord was showing me this, I don't even know anybody by name. Maybe if I thought hard enough about it, but that, that's not God's point. He wants to open people's eyes that have been saved for 30 plus years. And they've done nothing for God. I told God, this is not me patting me on the back. I was on my way to hell. I told God, if you, if you think I'm worth saving, then I think you're worth more than I am. So I give you my, I give you my life. Use me. In any way you see fit, use me. Just show me what to do, and I'll do it. And he did. He had to prepare me for a lot of things. He had to bring me to leaderships to learn things that I did not know churches and ministries and the body of Christ actually had to deal with. Things that are really kind of mess with you a little bit. Things you have to stay up late at night and let the Lord speak to you. Things you have to read scripture over yourself and over your mind so you can start to understand some of the stuff you see. But as we read this, Paul's not saying, oh, to the only to the people and to the leaders. He didn't say that. He said he has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit produces life. There's a reason I fucking keep having to read this. If you're dead... How are you feel, filled with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of life? How are you filled with the ministry of the Spirit that produces life when you are not even producing fruit? Now, God isn't angry at you. He wants to wake you up, and he also wants to remind you when Jesus was hungry and came upon a fig tree, a fully grown, mature fig tree. Some of y'all know this story. I mean, it's one of those little quick ones you learn in Sunday school. And it had no fruit in season. It was supposed to have fruit, and it did not. Jesus cursed it, and it withered and died. 
Now, I'm not saying Jesus want to curse you, wither, and die. But that's what happens when we are disconnected from the vine in the vineyard. Remember that? Remember that, that story? That parable? That's what happens to us when our faith without works is dead. So why, where does the works actually come from? Does that mean we're earning anything? No, it's saying to God, we believe you. I believe this word. I can't say, oh, that's good preaching, pastor. Go home, just sit there on my couch, angry at the world. And I do nothing for God, nothing. Because you're in your, well, I read my Bible and pray every day, okay? Your life produces no fruit, zero. God can't even prune you because there's nothing to prune. So we have to ask ourselves, why is there no fruit? Because you have faith for something that you really don't have faith in. Because the word says so. Faith without works is what? Dead. It's not the dead you need to focus on. It's what is dead. Your faith. Hebrews says that you cannot please God without faith. If your faith is dead, are you pleasing God at all? No. Because you haven't taken a single step in faith. A step in faith. Whether you know what you're doing or not, it's called what? Works. Lord, I'm going to try. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm trying. God would rather you do that, make a mistake, and he correct you, than you sit on your butt and do nothing for him. He would rather you start taking steps in faith, even if it's in the wrong direction, because he will see your faith. He'll say, no, no, not that way. Turn you the right way. Because you're, you're trying. You're trying to please God. And that leads us to the next part. You want to please God, you have to seek him. How? And when we get close enough, he's like, thank you. Let's go deeper like we started off with. From glory to glory, new to new. He's an infinite God. But what happens when you're taking steps of faith, not for God? We call that in today's era hustling. It's a side job. You're doing it for you. I'm not saying every minister out there that whether you do or do not like, doesn't mean they're out there for themselves. But what it does mean, it's all about the heart. And is it producing life? Is it producing fruit? Do you see people's faith in action? Do you feel encouraged to do something? Not just get up and preach and teach, but more than anything, spread the gospel. More than anything, be somebody that they can say, hey, I will never meet Jesus until I've met them through you. I met him through you. By the way, you have. But the word says you must be full of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't think you can preach or teach or, ha- or, or say anything or evangelize at all about Jesus, I'm going to read this to you again. He's talking to the whole body. This is the seventh time I've read this. He has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not the letter, but the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit produces life. We're going to continue. I'm going to read it again. Now, if the ministry of death chiseled in letters on stone came with glory so that the Israelites were not able to look directly at Moses' face because of the glory from his face, a fading glory, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness in Christ overflows with even more glory. In fact, what had been glorious before is not glorious now by comparison because of the glory that surpasses it. For if that was fading away, what was glorious, what endures, will be even more glorious. Therefore, having such a hope, We use great boldness. We are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the Israelites could not stare at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were closed. For to this day at the the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted because it is set aside only in Christ. Even to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. 
But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is the Lord who is the spirit. Did y'all follow? He's saying, this is not like before where we're coming up before holy men and hoping we get a small spectacle of God's glory on another man. He's saying in the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, we are his glory. We are filled with his glory. We are filled with his Holy Spirit and people are abusing it. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit and sit on their butts and complain and whine to God about the world and their life and how miserable they are. I'm a victim of my circumstances. Nobody loves me. Everything that I just said that I have heard from these people are the opposite of what this word says about you. So what does that mean? Your faith is dead. And I will be bold enough to say it because this word says so. It's not my opinion. It's God's. Your faith is dead because you said you believed in something that was preached to you and you do nothing about it. You do nothing about it. You don't have faith. Stop saying you do. Stop reading the Bible. You don't believe and get somebody to pray for you because you're wasting your time. That's why it's been 30 years. That's why it's been 10 years. That's why it's been even five. And you have not taken another step in the glory of God to know him deeper. It's not about ministry. It's about him. It's about relationship. It's about Jesus. And the closer we get to him, the more compelled we are, the more full we are of his spirit to go out and preach the good news and say, let me tell you about this Jesus that I know who set me free. But if you don't know him, how will you preach? How can you preach about someone you barely know? Oh, this Jesus in this Bible. Oh, I love him. I love him. I love him so much. And you can't take a single step forward to correct your own children. Who are adults now living in sin? Even some living in your own home. And you do nothing to step forward in faith and say, this word says I have authority over these demon spirits. I have authority over these sins in Jesus' name and I will lead them to the cross. They will be forgiven and set free. If you cannot even speak that to your own children, how can you say you have faith in any preacher, in any word of God, in any teaching, any prophetic word, any evangelist message? How can you say you have faith when you will not take a step saying, Lord, I love you enough to get uncomfortable. I love you enough that I need to go preach Jesus knowing I will be rejected because Jesus said they will. They rejected me. They'll reject you. They hated me. They will hate you. But that's not everybody. We have to keep trying. It's been a while. I was a young kid one time in church with my family. Very young. And I remember one time, my father got a word. I was, I don't even know how old I was, eight? And he got, stood up in the middle of, uh, of service and gave his testimony. He said that the Lord was teaching him to be like Peter, to keep casting his net. Even if it comes back empty, try it again in faith. We don't say, oh, I don't think I'm catching fish, so I'm not going to try. Jesus told Peter, I will make you a fisherman of men. We have to try. Who here has fished before in your life? Did you catch one every time? Did you go home mad? Did you go home to fish? He said, I can never fish again. I'm no fisher. No, he did not say that. You wouldn't have said that about yourself, so why would you? I don't even know if you remember that, Dad. I don't even know if you do, but I do. But when the Holy Spirit says something, it don't matter who it's coming through, it burns into the hearts of God's people. 
even into the hearts of the world because God wants them too. But I can promise you this, stop complaining about a fallen world when you're not out there preaching the hope and life that is Jesus Christ. Stop worrying about people saying, oh, abortion's terrible. You should think it is too. Talk to them about Jesus and let the conviction of the Holy Spirit fill their hearts so they can repent and say, I was wrong. I was wrong. One of the most freeing statements any human being can ever say. I was wrong. But so many people have so much dead faith that you think your faith is really your pride and you just put a big faith sticker on it. I have pride in what I believe, but I won't preach it. I have pride that I'm a child of God, but I have no authority. I can't quit this sin. I've been doing it for 40, 50 years. First Peter, Peter says, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I can't remember exactly where it is, but it's popping in my head. He said, this is how we know we're off cross that we suffered like he did willingly. Have you ever had to quit nicotine? You ever had to come off of something in obedience to God? It hurts. It is suffering. But the word says, because you chose to be obedient, you may suffer a little bit. Sometimes God just delivers. He just, sometimes he does. But you may have to suffer a little bit, but it's saying you are in Christ. You are being obedient. Your flesh dying is actually showing you that Christ is alive in you. As your flesh dies, it is crucified with Christ. But we live on through his resurrection on the other side of the old man. So stop Bible beating people over the head when you can't even talk about Jesus. A harsh word should come with hope. The harsh words against sin in the flesh, not people. Sometimes we all, including myself, need a good pop in the back of the head. Like, what are you thinking, Chase? Come on. But God wants you to see this. Like the same way he didn't even give me a word for today. He gave me peace, but not a word until I got up today and said, Chase, I'm not giving you a word like I used to. I need you to come deeper. And then I saw with my eyes closed, glory to glory. And I remember where it was because I just preached at a second Corinthians and Galatians. And Hebrews last week. So I remember where it was. And I pulled it up and the Lord starts telling me something different. He said, I'm going to tell you differently now. I need you to come deeper. Thank you for following me this far, Chase. But I need you deeper now. I need you to know me more. But again, the more you know of God, there's going to be something inside of you that cannot be satisfied. The word says those who hunger and thirst shall be satisfied. But if I'm hungry and I don't go in the kitchen and cook me something to eat, I'm going to stay hungry. Some people think that reading the Bible is work. That's, that's what feeds you. No, reading it in truth and spirit with the Holy Spirit, the one who wrote it, reading this word and praying over it, praying that the Holy Spirit burn it into you, reading this and praying scripture over you, that starts to change you a little bit. If you're reading this Bible, you're not getting any victory any revelations, any conviction, any encouragement, something's wrong. Thank you, Lord. And also, if you're only getting encouragement from this word, something's wrong. If you're only being encouraged by, I can promise you, you're going, not that one. Turn, turn, turn. Not this verse. There it is. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do what? You can't even talk about it. What can you do? Get to work the next day because you drank too much the night before? What can you do? Get over somebody talking bad about you behind your back? God cares about those little things. Sure. But is that what he's focused on? 
just making you feel good. If I did that, my kids would be spoiled rotten. Anybody who hears this and anybody here with kids knows that's the truth. You can't let your kids Bible stuff. Why? We love them too much. We don't want them to be horrible human beings. We want them to love themselves and know what discipline is and how to walk in self-control, which is what? Fruit of the Holy Spirit. But I can promise you, you will not have any fruit of the Holy Spirit if you don't have fruit of anything. You have to have fruit of the Holy Spirit by following and walking in the Spirit. It's got to be cultivated over time. It's not something that just happens. Now, for some people, it can in a sense, but it's something God wants to cultivate. It's why he calls it fruit. He uses seeds and trees and rivers, deserts, oasis, vineyards all the time throughout Old and New Testament to show us how God wants us to understand. So if you've ever grown anything in your life, guess what? You understand what he's talking about. Thank you. So the fruit of the Spirit has to be cultivated, doesn't it? So how do you cultivate it? Just surrender yourself. Say, Holy Spirit, I, I, I'm here for you. You were sent down to fill us up so we would live through, we, we would be able to walk in you and walk with you. And if you can't do that, that means you haven't asked them to. You can have the best intentions in the world, but this word right here, Oh, this is like the eighth time I've read this, but you know, I keep getting brought back to it. He, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant. Who's made you competent? Who has made you have the ability to do the work of God that we call ministry? Who has? Not you, the Holy Spirit. But how can the Holy Spirit have any, how can the Holy Spirit do anything through you if you won't let him, if you won't surrender to him? If you won't say, I don't care how uncomfortable I am in my mind and in my body and in my heart because I actually believe this word, I'm going to go try my best. That's like, that's like my son. He's only two and a half, but if he ever wanted to play baseball or something and he goes out there and tries to hit the ball and misses, he's going to feel like a failure. But as his father, I'm like, that's not a failure. You're trying. Let's try again. That's how God views it. I would call him a failure at playing baseball if he swung once, missed, and sat down and never tried to pick up a bat again. The problem I'm hearing right now is that there's been too many people who have put the bat down. There's been too many people who have never picked it up. They think reading this is just enough. What are you even reading it for? That's a hard word I heard the Lord say. If you don't believe in this, you need to seek prayer. Stop reading what you don't believe in. Why are you reading it? The man who went up to Jesus said, if, if you can help my son. And Jesus said, if I can. The man instantly repented, hit his knees and said, help me with my unbelief first. I can promise you, if you have a problem with belief of this word or you only believe certain parts of it, you only believe the things that bring what feel like condemnation and then the next verse over that gives you the hope about what seems like condemnation but you're only reading one of the other, you're either going to be really deceived or really deceived and sad. <laughs> Truth and love is important. We have to have both. I'll correct my son because I love him, not because I'm mad at him. Just like we've talked about before, the Lord says, I correct those that I love. I punish those. I chastise them that are my sons and my daughters. They're mine. So I love them too much to let them bother stuff. That means God's going around with a whip waiting just hit you. Most of the time, he corrects you with his mouth. It's called conviction. Conviction's a blessing. But when you ignore it, and the word says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. When you ignore conviction, what are you doing? You're grieving the Holy Spirit. You're telling him, shut up. That's what you're saying. 
It sounds harsh, but that's what you're doing. You can change the words. You can change. Uh, I would never talk to the Holy Spirit. You do every day in your life by doing that. You may not want to say it out loud because you have some reverence, but the problem is faith without works is what? Dead. I'm not saying everybody get up right now and run out and go preach to somebody, but I am. Why? Jesus said do it. He said go out into every creature. Every creature. He didn't say just humans. He said every creature. He's, that's, and he was, he was trying to make a point by being almost jokingly sarcastic but serious at the same time. He's like, preach to the dogs if you have to. Preach the gospel. We have to do this. So stop complaining about a, a broken world. Stop praying to God. Say, Lord, fix this world and country when you are not being the fix. You want me to prove it? Easy. God chooses man for his will. God don't need man. He chose it. By his choice, by his will, he chose man. Don't believe me? He, John 3, 16, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Even non-safe people know that scripture back and, you know, back and forth. But now let's break it down a second. God himself incarnate as the Godhead, the son of God, God himself, Stepped off his throne and became lower than me in this world's social caste system. Lower than me. God himself, he's like, I will not break my own will. I am not a hypocrite. I chose men for my will to be carried out. So I will send myself as one, tempted in every single way, to overcome and be the sacrificial lamb for everybody else. I will do that. And so what did he do? He sent a man named Jesus Christ. Now we all know that, but let's break it down a little bit more. Why? Because he was willing. Some of y'all have a hard time talking about Jesus when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane saying, Lord, if you would take this cup from me, knowing he's about to die. He said, nevertheless, thy will be done. You talk about faith. Nobody would be listening right now. I would be dead from suicide years ago if he had not done that. I probably wouldn't even be here because my dad would probably be dead too. If we're being real. Maybe even his dad. Maybe he would. We may not have even been born. But because Jesus is sacrifice his will. He sacrificed his own flesh. He constantly did because he never failed. And we want to talk about how much we love Jesus. Oh, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Yeah, he loves you, but uh, he wants you to bear fruit. He didn't want, he didn't die. He didn't want to say, yeah, I died for nothing for you. His grace is sufficient. It's there for everybody, but we have to pick it up. How can when Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me daily or you have no part with me, if you can't even talk to somebody about Jesus? I'm not saying you have to have a pulpit. I'm not saying you have to have a blog or a vlog or a video or, 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 or a, some kind of chain letter sending out scripture. If you feel like you're wanting to do that, great. It might help somebody. But if you can't preach Jesus, if you can't talk to somebody about Jesus, well, that's all preaching is. It isn't a loud guy back in the, behind the stage just screaming at people. I feel like that sometimes, but I have to make sure I'm keeping myself humble enough that the Holy Spirit's voice come out of me. Sometimes it's gentle, sometimes it's not. But it keeps bringing back to it that faith without works is dead. You can't please God without faith, according to Hebrews. So what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you afraid of? You're afraid you're going to fail, so you're getting your own way. You're getting God's way for his will of your life. He says that the Spirit made you competent to be a minister of the new covenant, which is Jesus. That means a ministry focused on Jesus and the body of Christ and the kingdom of heaven. He's already made you competent. So if you have the Holy Spirit, he's made you competent. You just got to trust in him. 
Let him fill you up. Put your will aside. Put your feelings aside. Put your emotions aside. Put your self-doubt aside because none of that's from God anyway. But the first thing the Lord told me today was glory to glory. If you're seeking God and you're moving in faith in the best you can, you're doing something that's good enough for God. He will continue to lead you. He said, I got the steps of the righteous. Trust that the Lord is with you where you are right now, but also believe and know that he is taking you somewhere deeper soon. So the next time he seems quiet, he may not be quiet. He might want you to seek him deeper. Last night I sought him like I always did, and I didn't hear him. I felt his peace. I felt his presence. It was sweet. Eventually I just went to sleep, and I woke up. Like I said, I woke up and praying today, and that's what I heard. I heard the Lord say, I need you to come deeper. I want to take you to a new place. And he said, it's because you've been obedient. I'm not pat myself on the back. That's true. You know, I mean, when you're when to be obedient to God, you are going way past your own comfort zone. You're going, you're literally putting yourself out there to be judged, ridiculed, mocked, hated, rejected. But Jesus said they would do those things to you because they did them to Him. But if they're doing it to me because they did it to Him, what does that mean? That means I'm in Him. It said, "Praise God that you bear the name of Christian." So if you're really, really comfortable and you're not meeting any resistance at all, you're not having to put your flesh to death at all, you're not having to get out of your comfort zone at all, you might want to seek the Lord while you can. And when I say that, that can make some people feel like, oh, doom and gloom. Well, the fig tree had no fruit. Jesus cursed it and it died. We can't sit here and accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and then deny Him as our Lord and Savior by thinking that me just reading my Bible and not applying it makes me saved. Jesus said, what? If you don't pick up your cross, your obedience, the weight you bear and follow me daily, you have no part with me. I promise you, you're not going to heaven without part with Jesus. You can't be apart from Jesus and have anything to do with the Father. Jesus said that too. Why do you think you're going to heaven? I don't care how nice people have been. I will tell you this. The hope is... In Christ, our Lord is a very, very, very patient God. He's been very patient with me. And he's very quick to forgive those of a repentant heart. He's very fast to restore those who have backslidden. He leaves the 99 to go to the one. The one lost sheep. But why are they lost? Because they were his sheep. They were once his. It didn't say he leaves 99 sheep to go find another one. He said to find the lost one, the one that was his that got away. How do you get away? By not doing what he told you to do. When you get saved, I can promise you this much. Your life is not your own anymore. Your life is not yours to make the decisions on anymore. When you accept Christ as your Savior, you're saying, Lord, I'm going to pick up my cross I'm going to follow Christ daily and I'm going to do as he's instructed me to do. I'm going to love as he's told me to love. I'm going to correct as he tells me to do that. I'm going to seek him every day. That doesn't mean perfection. Again, like I said last week, y'all remember the disciples, they were corrected constantly. But they were corrected constantly because they were loved. God isn't going around with a whip wanting to beat people. He wants you to understand. I want you to be close to me so we can go deeper. I want you to know me more because I know you better than anybody ever will. And he cares that much to want that depth, that depthness with you. But I can promise you when you were dating somebody before, if you date somebody and they want nothing to do with you, guess what? 
You can't say, oh, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, put a sticker on your card, have nothing to do with God the rest of your life and think you're going to heaven. Jesus himself, not to mention all the other disciples, talk the opposite of that. So really what I want to challenge you today is this. If this is messing you up, if this, if this sermon is bothering you, if you even want to be angry at me, I would say this. You can be angry. If you think I'm wrong, pray for me. But first and foremost, hit your knees and ask the Lord if maybe it's conviction. <clears throat> maybe you don't like what I'm saying because it goes against the opposite you're doing like I was showing before. You're like, oh, that scripture makes me feel so good. Oh, not that one. And you keep turning it until you find another verse that makes you feel good. But you don't read the one before or after. So even the, some of the harshest scriptures in here that seem harsh, they're only harsh against your pride in your flesh. And those need to die anyways. And then right after that, they give you the answer and the hope in context. This word has all of your answers in it, but if you disagree with anything that I'm preaching out of this or any preacher preaches out of this or anybody posts in context, speaks it in context, you don't have a problem with that person. You have a problem with God. You have a problem with the word. This is the last thing. I've already said it like 50 times. I'll say it again. Faith without works is dead. So if you have no works, you don't have faith. Your faith is dead and it needs to be revived. And you can do that with a single touch of God. Hit your knees and repent. Say, Lord, I've been lazy because I've been there, guys. I've, been, I've had times where God tells me to sit down. I need to take you to a quiet place. And I've been at times where I've been quiet and God said, why aren't you speaking? Actually, I got corrected so hard one time by the Holy Spirit from somebody halfway across the world. That's why I'm preaching now after the past four weeks. Because I got corrected from getting lazy and complacent. I can say that's true. But the second the Lord said, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm sorry, Lord, I was waiting on you. He's like, I've been waiting on you this whole time. That means you weren't close enough to me to hear me. Where have you been? And I said, I'm sorry, Lord. He said, I forgive you. Let's go work. I got some stuff for you to do. People need to be set free. People need Jesus. People need to hear my word. So get ready. And I said, okay, Lord, let's do it. Scared to death. I'm scared. I was scared. To, I still am. I'm scared to death to preach to people in person. I'm scared to death being on video that I know is going to be shared and seen thousands of times all throughout the internet. But I will put myself out there because if Jesus can, why can't I? Jesus said he was obedient up until death. And y'all are, are getting lazy because you might get scoffed. He said he was obedient until death. Most of y'all's life are not on the line here. And the people who's Christians whose life are on the line, they're smuggling Bibles into countries where they can be hung and shot for it and you're too lazy to talk to your own kid or your neighbor or your friend or co-worker and say, hey, I don't know you've been going through this, but I have an answer for you. You're not going to preach it if it's not true for you, though. You can go to church all you want. You can read your Bible all you want, but you haven't applied it yet. Where it says, do not be hearers of the word, but doers. Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing of the word. But then there's the do. Because what happens is you have this faith that grows by hearing the word and then you don't do the do's that God already told you to do. Stop looking for a prophetic specific word about your ministry and start where he's already told you and you go talk about Jesus if you want to see a change. And then what happens is here comes the works. What does that do? That strengthens your faith. But faith without works dies. The word is swept away because you're not putting it into practice. You're being just hearers of the word and not doers as the word says to do. Be doers. So I want to encourage you guys. Y'all got Jesus Christ did not save you and fill you with his Holy Spirit just so you have to shut up and sit down and wait for a pastor to tell you to come up and preach. Jesus is needed everywhere. 
I'm a minister of God. I've chosen to give my life to the Lord. And guess what? I need Jesus every single day. There's not a day I will ever graduate above the cross, ever. But I do want to encourage you, there is hope. I hope that if you are convicted by this, just hit your knees and repent. Just change. Get into your word and let let the Lord just fill you with this word. Fill you with truth and life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, is he not? Get a hold of Jesus. Pick up your cross and start following him. That doesn't mean perfection. Don't try to be perfect. Where you need fixed as you seek God, he's so sweet and precious, he'll bring those things up and say, hey, I want to get this out of your life next. You didn't even know it was here. You don't have to fix yourself first. Just get in the Word. Get into the presence of God and let Him speak to you. I love you guys. That's it.